And I think music is like the avant-garde of the capitalist about uh, copyright ownership. We create the robots, we use and create the robots because this is a feed we can easily scan and block. This is a nightmarish, <laughs> really. My name is Sean Morley. And I am Jack Lewis Evans. And welcome to Mandatory Redistribution Party TM, established 2019. That's right, the one and only. Jack, why are you miming a soaring motion under your neck? Yeah, I just, I just cut that. I don't think we can say that anymore. Sorry, I'm not, I'm not following. There's another mandatory redistribution party. An enemy podcast. It's fine, it's fine. We've just, we just got to change things up. Why do we have to change? We're the original. We've got to prove we're the original. We're the only ones who can do it. We've got to compete. Like These two are young up-and-comers. How young? 13. Is there not a chance they just listened to this podcast and then copied it? <sighs> we can't rule it out. One of them's my niece. And what have they done? They've got 100 episodes out already. I, I'm, I'm scrolling through like listen to these titles capitalism takes the l napoleon bonaparte's fanta condor my uncle jack lewis evans is an idiot this is our energy this is vibe theft can't copyright vibes you can't legislate for anything can you i can't afford a solicitor not on a pedo hunter's wages besides all the copyrights now they're just owned by five guys the burger company exactly and then what are we supposed to do are, are we still allowed to tell people that they can support our podcast on patreon.com slash mandatory redistribution party or do we need to change that too i mean even if they have nicked that too they're doing the work they probably appreciate the support we've got to maintain our rep as the mandos so if you're listening to this please share this episode on social media with the caption this is really them hashtag boycott niece who's that shit it's bailiffs what do they want they're here for your brains we've got a court order under section 84 to confiscate the skulls of uncle jack and the other guy <sighs> that's me what's your favorite thing that you own that is not video game oh, computer related. I don't know. Food before I just before I eat it. Yeah, like what? The food right the, whatever food I have just right before I eat it. Yeah. Like just like once um, it's cooked. Uncle Bren's rice in a bowl. <laughs> <laughs> this is the most boil valuable non gaming item I own. <laughs> Do they still make boil in a bag? That was fucked. That whole idea is fucked. It's all microwave rice now. Yeah, even that's fucked. Creates a lot of condensation, you know, to boil rice. Not everyone's got a rice cooker. Yeah, but they're just sending the damp somewhere else. <laughs> what do you mean? No, what do you mean? There's some what do you mean? Damp in the pre-rice cooking factory? Yeah, they're some lad, equipped. Yeah, that some lad is like cooking all that up in a pan and then spooning it into the microwave pouch. Uh -huh. Just pushing a problem elsewhere. Anyway, that's that's not my. Um, I think the, the the microwave rice lad is equipped for the. He's probably got scuba stuff. He's on. not got a system. He's winging it. He's Ill, it's illegal. Have they rebranded Uncle Ben? Because wasn't Uncle Ben like a problematic racist thing? I am not sure. What was Uncle Ben supposed to be? Some kind of indentured housekeeper of some kind from the Deep South. All I'm thinking is Uncle Ben is a black guy and I also don't think Uncle Ben exists. So they've just created a fictional black man to sell their food. And yes. I, I don't know any of the details. I've just Fictional black off. character something's on food off. from a long-standing American company. Yeah. Something here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Something off. here has its foundations in the transatlantic slave trade. <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully has been addressed. Um, I'll just get own brand. Just own brand rice. Benz. Mr. Benz. That's a different, that's a different guy. Um, Every day, different rice. <laughs> so imagine you're sitting down to your Mr. Yeah. Benz plain white rice. Why is this my favourite thing? Is this becoming <laughs> an example? Why you could have picked anything. This just came from you. This is from the horse's I mouth. I absolutely <laughs> didn't say 
Uncle Ben's rice. You put those words in my mouth. You just said whatever food I have. Well, yeah, the food I've made, which is not a fucking pile of plain <laughs> microwave rice. Okay, well, it's a typical meal. You can even pick a nicer than normal meal. Uh, you don't need to talk about your reality. Just talk about how you'd like to be seen to be eating on the regular. I don't know. Oh, fuck it. Chips. Just some chips. I've got some chips. Yeah, you've got some chips. And then some little kid right yeah. from down down the road oh fucking hell i've got genuine issues with these kids so just mm -hmm. right what are they doing they've got some future tech right like oh. a like a power glove what and you see him say to their mates hey watch this and he points at your chips yeah and it lets out this big green otherworldly beam mm. surrounds the chips in an aura and then that aura comes off of the chips right. the lad's got some chips as well exactly the same oh so i i've still got my chips yeah not a problem not an issue not an issue. And then he points at your fridge. He's got that as well. Great. Chips in the fridge. Is he copy-pasting? Yeah, he's copy-pasting. He's, he's oh, got you. fucking go nuts, mate. He manages to um, shoot a beam through some of your interior mirrors. Yeah. He gets your duvet, gets your graphics card, <laughs> gets your PS2 memory card. Doesn't want my fucking graphics card, mate. Not at the moment. <laughs> yeah, he chucks that away. Then he duplicates the chips three more times. <laughs> <laughs> They've all got chips and fridges now. Mm. And they're laughing at you going, ha ha, earned this. Ha <laughs> 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 ha, worked for this. Ha <laughs> 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 ha, wage idiot. <laughs> um. Ha <laughs> buyer, <laughs> purchase oid. <laughs> Joke's on you. I, I only eat stolen chips. He, he's the same. Yeah, but you can't call me a purchase oid anymore. <laughs> no, no, we can't hear you through the, through, through the glass anyway. Oh, right, right. It's only letting sound in for some reason. You still call me a purchase oid, no, okay. Yeah, he's calling my, you a purchase oid. pedantry, yeah. yeah. Yeah, every dinner time he, he sees what you've made, makes it for everyone, then they leave you reviews. I mean, I feel like uh, I'm doing a lot of cooking here. Mm, you're cooking for everyone. Uh, can I get the gun? Uh, can I get in on this? What, the power glove? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can we go around someone else's house? <laughs> I want gun chips. I don't want to be cooking my own chips. Well, can I just hang out with this? Can I befriend this lad? Yeah, yeah, you can go out and talk to him. What do you want to say? <laughs> all, right, all right, mate. Can we use this? Can I have some of your glove chips? Can we go? So I don't want to, I don't want to cook anything. Let's oh, bloody hell, it's the purchase always here. What are you going to do, buy me? <laughs> <laughs> all, the friends, all the guys are laughing. Oh, shit. Oh, no, I can't. They're, um, they're putting some of the chips down in front of you and, and cloning so many it makes a wall. Great. I'm never going to need to cook chips again. All the rats from a mile radius are climbing up it. <laughs> Mate, I love rats. Did I tell you I was feeding the rats by Tesco? Oh, yeah. What are you feeding them? A boiled egg. It's the healthiest thing to feed them. I looked it up. <laughs> what are you, pal? They don't need protein. You're going to jack them up. Yeah, yeah that was my plan. I actually, um, I'd, uh, I've been told to stop doing this, but I went through a phase where every Saturday I'd have my uh, special breakfast, three soft-boiled eggs, red pepper hummus on some nice bread, basil, tomatoes and mushrooms. Sounds chaotic, but it's a, how I do it. It's quite nice. You should have come up with this when I said white rice. Yeah. <laughs> where was that when this I was happening? I didn't, well, I didn't think. Um, and then... I uh, and then I, but I do a couple of extra eggs and then uh, go feed them to the rats. <laughs> Why do you do this? Because I like the idea of befriending the rats. The rats. Have you ever met the same rat twice? Listen, mate. I think they do. I, not since, but I think they did begin to know me. It's actually some sad events have transpired since. So I was peer pressured into stopping feeding the rats. And then I recently went to Tesco and I noticed that the rats have been absent for a while and I clocked a series of gruesome rat traps. Oh no. I did see a rat, not the sort of 20 or 30 I've seen in the past, um, pop out of the hedge. I, I, I looked at him and I said, hiya. <laughs> I think he wanted, he wanted to know if I had an egg. Um, mm, did you? I didn't have an egg, I've stopped. But I tell you what, the sheen on his fur, mm. that's a high protein rat. I think he's not been, he's not got in the traps because the eggs he's had from me months back have actually made his brain develop more. That's the sort of sheen on his coat and his more advanced protein fueled brain has made him look at the trap and go, I'm not going in that. Or the rat is as stupid as ever, but it's just bigger, too big for the trap. You've and overfed that's also a rat. Great. Yeah, I've made a rat bigger. Great. Yeah. yeah, you've scaled up a rat. <laughs> <laughs> Too big to die. Yeah, yeah. If you're if anyone's going past the back of the hedges around the back of Tesco and see some big rats. Yeah, you know who to thank. You're welcome. <laughs> 
What are we talking about? So if the kid duplicated all your stuff, you wouldn't have an issue. Wouldn't have a yeah, blood feud. No. Well, I, what I would have an issue with is if I was always doing the bloody work, Sean, if I was always cooking mm. the mm. Uh, egg, the chip, the rice, mm. I would eventually become frustrated at that. But if I could get in with the kid and just parasite off something else, I'd be all in. But if I am the This creator, is how I feel, I'd yeah. I'd be somewhat frustrated, yeah. If I've just come back with a, you know, a DVD of The Shining and the oh, kid yeah. goes, I go, you could have just talked to me and we could have gone halves on this. Yeah. And then we'd be allies. Mm. There's no reason we can't work together on this. I could just burn you one of these. <laughs> you don't need to glove it. It'd be better if you gloved it though, because actually burnt DVDs aren't as resilient to yeah. um, disc rot than a than a pressed a factory pressed DVD. Well, I could lend it to him. I can't be watching The Shining day and night, can I? Nah. It scares me. <laughs> I get scared of that stare he does. Yeah, it's scary, scary. Yeah, and I always cry when the dad gets frozen. <laughs> Yeah, he was stressed, wasn't he? He was going through a lot. Have you ever been ripped off? Like someone's nicked something off of you? Someone's done something of yours? So I've had that happen a few times. It's why I went through a phase of trying to write joke jokes, set up mm. the punchline. And I had I had someone come up after me a gig and accuse me of stealing a thing. Apparently someone had done my Emperor Penguins bit. That's such a Jack Evans line that it's very hard to even imagine someone else doing it. Yeah. And then it comes down to like, who did, who did do it first? Uh -huh. And how do we know? And anything uh -huh. that's a joke... Yeah. It's probably already on Twitter mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. from someone else who may have seen a comedian do yeah, it. Seen a com yeah, 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 yeah. It's like the bottom fell out of jokes, you know? <laughs> but the audience member was kind of doing the right thing of going like, oh, I think I've heard this before. Yeah, they're trying to be diligent. Yeah, yeah, they're trying to be diligent. And I was like, was it me? Did I look different when I'd done it previously mm. or something? You know, that was yeah. my first, I was like, that would be a weird thing. But they, apparently it was someone different. I never found out who. And then also, I did a tweet years ago was a sort of Microsoft Paint image, Colonel Sanders, mm -hmm. and an image of Leon Trotsky, communist fried chicken, using K for communist underneath it. Oh, that's um, good. So it's like, you know, bad MS Paint. And then I put, I put a tweet with it. And I, I, I guess I said something like, you know, Stalin didn't kill Trotsky. He wasn't, or he wasn't exiled. He was he moved to the USA and established a fried chicken company, etc. Some deep left-wing law here. <laughs> I don't think the tweet was very big, but it did get nicked and then went viral for someone else. Mm, yeah. uh, and then it became like a meme. So if you Google uh, KFC Trotsky. Apologies for the mechanical keyboard clackety clacking. Yes, over and over again. This I've just found is my tweet. Caption reads, Trotsky was exiled from the USSR in 1929. The first KFC opened in 1930. Coincidence? I think not. I think at some point, I think that when I noticed it, is it went, it did well on Reddit at some point. Years Reddit later. Will, Reddit will boomerang the memes back. Yeah, yeah. And they create this smoke screen because the people who then put it back on Twitter are like, but I got this from Reddit. Mm -hmm. So I'm not the thief. thief. I'm, yeah, the, yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like a thief's thief. It's very weird. Uh, I, rem I remember seeing it again and going, isn't that, didn't I make that? <laughs> that text itself has been downloaded or screenshot at least two or three times as well. Yeah. So you're like concentric circles away from the original tweet because you can tell in the degradation of the text resolution. Just want to be clear that I'm not moaning about this. I just, it is an example of the process. I mean, it's okay to moan about it. I, I, th I think it is gutting if you to do anything and then someone just nicks it. Mm. It feels gutting. <laughs> and the weird thing I've ended up, because I think me and you, I met with loads of people, right? Uh -huh. Especially in comedy is the idea is you can't just do these little jokes that other people mm -hmm. can take because mm -hmm. they'll go online and then they'll go around and then you do this joke that you wrote five years ago and go, mm -hmm. someone else is doing that on the open mic scene, so mm -hmm. you've got to stop doing it. But then if you create like, whether you're just posting stuff or you're doing performances, if you make like a more big character and the structures around it, me and you both move towards like mm -hmm. improvising around structures. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, when people rip that off, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you haven't got a leg to stand on because yeah, what yeah. they've taken is a more vague uh -huh. thing. You know, yeah, they've yeah. taken something a bit more abstract. They've taken like a methodology or like a superstructure mm. or something, and you can't be like, "Those are the same words I posted yeah, here in yeah, the timestamps." Yeah, yeah. You're just like, "Oh, I, I know that you've like, especially in stand-up and elsewhere. Actually, I've seen people who I know have had access to my stuff." Mm -hmm. Or even like it. Mm. And then they're doing stuff and I'm like, yeah. 
There's a line between inspired by and like you've yeah. just seen this and you want to do something that's yeah. really similar. But I don't feel like I like to stand on. And uh-huh. in a way, if it weren't for like, <laughs> if it weren't for me feeling like I've got an economic incentive yeah. to be like, that's my stuff because I yeah, use that to make stick. shows and yeah, I use yeah. that to make yeah, yeah. things and I earn some money from those things. Mm. So when you copy them. <laughs> I feel a little bit like a stealing is going on. Yeah, you put the work into iterating and improving a thing and then you got it to the way that it can work and then someone just takes the way, they take the, the They've taken the product. final experiment uh-huh. of uh-huh. years of working something out. Yeah, yeah. But and that's I the- don't, you know, I want to be a guy because I normally like the work because yeah. it's so closely <laughs> tied <laughs> yeah, to my interests you, and my aesthetics. Yes. I normally like the thing. Exactly, yeah. And so I'm conflicted about being like, this thing's my enemy now. Uh-huh. You make things you like, so when someone else makes a thing using the same techniques that you apply, you are very likely to enjoy it. <laughs> this is weird yeah. thing, right? Where, like, I exist within an economic system mm. where I feel I need to claim ownership of an mm-hmm. idea, mm-hmm. which in turn stops people making things I would really enjoy. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and that yeah. seems... Wrong. <laughs> well, well, exactly, yeah. yeah. It's in, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying, I know it's like, well, I'm an anarchist. I don't believe in private property. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I didn't like when the burglar kicked down my door and took my telly. What a <laughs> hypocrite am I? You know, I think that's bananas. Property and intellectual property is predicated on sort of Lockean philosophy, isn't it? The idea that that's the justification used for it. I'm not saying that's how capitalism functions, but the, the justification, based on justification people have with owning an idea is that, so Locke says that you, you can own property because you've mixed your labor with it. Mm-hmm. So farmland that, well, in Locke's time, has probably been fucking stolen from the Native Americans. But because you've mixed your labor with the farmland, the, the land, and then made it productive land, then that is that is where your property right comes from because you've, you've changed it through mixing your labor with the property and that property makes it yours. Now, most capitalists make money just by owning it. They, they aren't mixing their fucking labor with it, right? It's yeah. they're, 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 them owning the property means that they can control who works on it and then that's how they extract surplus value from their labor so that isn't actually how property rights work under capitalism but i think that lockean premise of uh of like mixing your labor with something is the is the right to it that is like most people's like baseline instinct you know that's kind of what we're talking about right it's like you put the you you put the work into it isn't just the originality is what i'm saying it's the originality and the work those two sort of those two things are what makes you feel this is mine, and then when someone just goes, "This can also be mine," you're like, huh? "Yeah." But like, I don't think any two people have a clear, you know, I don't think there's a, a, a good legal distinction. I don't no, think there's no, even no. a good like two people you talk to about what that line is between inspiration and just theft, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Because no one's created a. No one's created anything out of whole cloth, right? No, everyone's no, no. everyone's just a little um, Play-Doh in one end, other end, and slightly different Play-Doh yeah, yeah. goes out the other end. Yeah. I'm still getting the Play-Doh from somewhere. It's from stuff you've intentionally consumed. It's from experiences you've had in your life. It's from things you may not even remember. They're sort mm. of in the background of your consciousness as you create something else. Uh, I had to take a real humble pie pill, if mm. that comes in pill for condensed, you know, powdered. <laughs> humble pie <OD'd>. pill. <laughs> Just taking a couple of humble pie pills and having to lie down. See you in a week. Because um, I, I, someone messaged me and said, oh, that one of those tweets you did doing the rounds. Okay. And it was this chess tweet. Oh, I saw this. And I, I think this has come, come from comedy brain. Yeah. Because I'm like, oh, it's embarrassing. Yeah. If I tell this guy, oh, yeah, great tweet. Reminds me of this one I did. I thought they'd be embarrassed because I just thought universally it's you embarrassing. Feel bad. yeah, yeah. But the amount of hate I got for doing it makes me realise. Firstly, I think just people online are assholes. Like someone told me to go kill myself, and I think ah, I don't see eye to eye with that. I'm going to keep living. But <laughs> you know, I want to take a you know, I'll take you seriously. But I, I, I can't. I won't even compromise. Yeah, 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 I'm just not going to do it. Yeah. Um, thank you, though, <laughs> for your contribution to the discourse. But what was interesting, right? Is one is that people. Maybe younger people, I can't mm-hmm. tell. A lot of cartoon avatars, so I assume uh-huh. eight. Yeah, yeah. Um, just think that the whole idea of being like, I made this meme, I made this joke, I made this tweet is they, yeah, on totally rejected. Just cringe beyond belief. Yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah. These are memes. Ah, but I, I want meme culture to be an open source mm-hmm. thing. You know, I'm, I'm working against the thing that I actually ultimately want. Think, yeah, yeah. 
And the second thing, which I think is really interesting, is um, the meme itself is a screenshot of a weird pickup artist mm. responding to a prompt about how to talk to a young woman who at the time would have been like underage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> how you would like hit on her in a chess setting. Mm-hmm. And he says something really cringe and then says, and then I do this move. And I, I've been playing chess like many people ever since lockdown. Yeah. The move he said was to move the other person's pawn horizontally into their other pawn, which is illegal in several <laughs> ways. It's not your move. Those aren't your pieces. Pawns can't move horizontally. Mm. That space has got another thing in it. And I thought, that's funny. Screenshot the prompt, screenshot their tweets, and then make it clear to people who don't understand chess. So I made a diagram of what the move is, and I made sure in my caption I was like, they're playing black. Yeah, yeah. So they can't move white pieces. And what people really object to is like, but you're just screenshotting this guy's yeah. tweets, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Didn't they do the work? And I'm like, well, they said something stupid. Yeah. I'm going, this person says something stupid, and here's how, a little bit of explanation. John Locke would say you'll make your labor with it because you, yes, you've taken their, the, their original two tweets and then you have thought about it and added something new. So basically the, the thing that made it a joke is the image of the chess move, right? That's what makes it funny. That's the unique thing you added and you created that. However, your creation is predicated on things taken from other people, right? Yeah. Again, you're saying you want to live in a world where you are able to take, you know, you, imagine if you got, you could live in a world where you would get copyright struck for the, the two images that you're responding to. Mm. So reaction to a thing is a new thing, isn't it? So I've done the same thing with communist fried chicken, right? I had mm. the, the KFC Colonel Sanders logo. I don't own that. KFC owns that. I had a picture of Leon Trotsky that's probably owned by Getty Images. God knows. Knowledge of when Trotsky was exiled or when KFC opened. You didn't do first-hand research. You were even alive. I just yeah. noticed. I probably noticed that. I, I can actually see the genesis of the tweet retroactively is... For some reason, I, I, I saw that image of Leon Trotsky. I thought, that looks like Colonel Sanders. I opened the Wikipedia page for Leon Trotsky and the Wikipedia page for Colonel Sanders, saw that date, and then made that tweet. Standing on the shoulders of giants. Standing on the shoulders of giants, <laughs> wobbling like fuck. We're living in the distillation of like reaction content itself because everyone knows that the, the best, most effective, most click-through rated reaction content is someone having one of the three primary emotions to a large degree. And that's it. That's why the best caption to anything on Twitter is crying emojis, LMFAO. Mm -hmm. And if you add anything more to that, you're hurting yourself Mm -hmm. in the algorithm. Mm -hmm. But is writing LMFAO, (laughs) crying emoji, mixing labor, is it transformative? And I don't think there is an answer to that. Or it's yes. (laughs) Or it's just, yeah, it is. We have to accept what it is. Yeah. And so rather than having this kind of like GitHub for ideas that the internet could be, right, of like everyone has the capacity to make stuff that previously they could only buy in the shop on VHSs and stuff. We've all got the capacity to make stuff. But because of like this spider web of legal infrastructure that's leaked through like the 10 websites that still work, everything is a work that was made by someone very rich and then someone outside of that work going, oh my God, and then someone outside of that work going, wow, and someone outside of that work going, actually, oh, it makes me angry. Yeah. And then someone outside of that work being, no, wow, again. <laughs> and that's what we're in. Just um, a screenshot of a screenshot of a screenshot of a screenshot with the same emoji every single time. With more and more JPEG artifacts. Until you can't even see what the original is. Actually, that sounds good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I hear about some plagiarism dispute in comedy, when it gets to the part where you hear the joke they're arguing about, it is something that 2,000 people have already simultaneously come up with and shared on social media already. Uh, I hope uh, Pizza Express doesn't fold. Here's a cold fact from the Creative Arts Department at the University of Life. Human imagination is limited and the zeitgeist is much smaller. The similarities you might notice in the art around you is not a coincidence because artists live in the same culture as you and everyone has their hands in each other's pockets. There are only so many Lego bricks in the box, but if you make the same combination as your dad's boss's son, the bailiffs are allowed to chuck your children in the canal. I'll miss you, Papa. Why did you have to build the Death Star? 
Our culture is made of ideas which are owned by fewer and fewer people. Two thirds of revenue made on music sales across planet globe goes to just three corporations, Universal Music Group, Sony Music Entertainment and Warner Music Group. In cinema, Disney Pictures takes home a fifth of global box office profits. That's a lot of moolah. Then they'd have to call it Calzone Express. <laughs> Even in books, the pastime of dorks, Penguin Random House takes home 4% of global revenue. Calzone and have recently been blocked by a US federal court for an attempted merger with Simon & Schuster. The judge said that if this merger was successful, they would have owned half of the most popular books in Western culture, including The Diary of Anne Frank, Lord of the Rings, and Paddy McGuinness's My Lifey. I know that's not right, but please buy me book. Our copyright systems currently function as a form of primitive accumulation of the human imagination. Ideas that were once in the commons, such as calling a mouse Michael, are now enclosed in a thick fence of pale solicitors. Copyrights transforms an idea into a commodity, but it does not do so equally, and it does not do so for everyone. Upholding copyright is now the job of brainless internet spiders who trawl Google's sticky tubes looking to ban 17-year-olds for covering Beyonce in their bedroom. The Digital Millennium Copyright Act is a piece of legislation made in America that grants safe harbour to websites where people may upload copyright infringing material, provided these websites are willing to zap, 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 zap any content that anyone points a zapping finger at for any zapping reason. There is no burden of proof upon the accuser, and there is often limited opportunity for the accused to retort, respond, or explain, because the mechanical dinner ladies are not designed to listen. And while just a law from an American court system, it affects the entire globe, maybe even beyond. Uploading the 2008 Channel 5 documentary My Car Is My Lover to BitTorrent from the Sea of Tranquility. Nathaniel is in a committed relationship with a car that he's named Chase. He met Chase in a resale lot about five years ago. Love you, baby. So it was love at first sight. His body and then his interior and everything just together just seemed to fit. I just felt an instant connection. Moon crime detected. And this in turn sets the tone for the rest of the internet. In 2004, researchers carried out an experiment creating 12 websites that contain only text from public domain works on internet service providers in the US, the UK, and the Netherlands. Then they contacted these ISPs to request that these sites be taken down on copyright grounds, and only one of them refused to do so on the basis that no copyright law had been broken. This lack of burden of proof allows these laws to be used maliciously as harassment tools to remove criticisms or just bad reviews. And now this process has speeded up. Content ID algorithms can punish users prematurely because they incorrectly believe they can recognize patterns between original material and copyrighted material. Robots that I've identified that the noise of birdsong was copyrighted material, identified a 200-year-old Christmas carol Silent Night as copyrighted material, flagged a 10-hour video of static white noise with five different content ID notices from five different copyright holders, a 12-second loop of a cat purring received two different content ID notices from two different copyright holders. In 2020, a video uploaded by New York University's Law Department depicting a panel discussion about what constitutes legal similarity in copyrighted audio was flagged by Content ID. And as experts in intellectual property law, they knew their content did not breach any law, but found the process simply too opaque and confusing to appeal. And now a new generation of machines crawl alongside them, while the first batch fingerprints are uploaded so they can be blocked off the internet forever, this new batch downloads and steals artwork, music and writing so they can sell AIs which regurgitate the creative labour of others. You want to see a vision of the future? Watch this. Computer, show me an image of a boot stamping on a human face forever. 8K octane, hyper-realistic, grim-dark fantasy, high-resolution, widescreen, cinematic, high-contrast, copyright-free, no watermark, Michael Bay style, avatar, graphics, fantasy world, watercolor, modern, dirty Harry.
So I'm Rose Azerti. I record music uh, under Creative Commons uh, Zero License. Uh, this is a free licensing uh, which allow people to use my music in a commercial way. Uh, they don't need to attribute uh, me for the work and they can remix it how they want. Creative Commons Zero is the license, the closest to the public domain license. But you don't need to die to be in the public domain with this license. I publish a lot of that music on Bandcamp and on Free Music Archive, which is where most of people uh, meet my work. And I put my music under Creative Commons Zero license, so I could appear everywhere. <laughs> so it was like a communication thing at first, but I love the idea that people can remix everything I do, Um, I wasn't searching for having money out of that. I wasn't in the idea of blocking the use of my music for commercial uh, products. Uh, I've seen my music in tons of video games, of uh, videos on YouTube, uh, on movies. People like it so much they give me money, like for music I've done six years ago and I'm like okay that's super nice <laughs> and this is this is so great like just it's so uh, so beneficial like I, I I can't see how the copyright thing would give me uh, this experience of the music and how it it would have been better in any way my music is under Creative Commons zero license on the free music archive And sometimes I, um, I received email from people telling me uh, they use my music uh, for a video, mostly a video. It can be on YouTube or on Twitch. And uh, receiving a claim, uh, an infringement of uh, the copyright uh, law. And this claim is like um, blocking the, the audio feed on uh, Twitch or blocking the monetization on YouTube and sometimes blocking the video. When it happens, like it's just, um, it's, it's hard to uh, undo because there is a lot of um, actors in uh, this process. So the person uploading the music on YouTube, uh, on a video like talking about carrots, um, they receive these claims and uh, from YouTube, but you can't contact YouTube to say, Okay, uh, your bot, you, uh, the robot you're using uh, to send claims is wrong. You can't say that. You have to contact the distribution service uh, using the robot. Because what happened, it's someone taking the music from the Free Music Archive, uploading it on a distribution service, activating a robot to uh, search on uh, platforms um, if there is this music used in some way and to block it. So there is like a hundred, a 200, 300 different uh, distribution services. And uh, to see what distribution service uh, you have to uh, contest the claim and uh, see in a little line who is uh, the distribution service. And then you have to contact the distribution service, sending an email, and finding the contact info. Sometimes I have to go via LinkedIn or via Instagram to contact distribution service because um, all the distribution services are not speaking English. And so uh, the page uh, sometimes are in uh, Russian or Indian. Uh, and you have to contact them via social media because just finding the contact page is super tricky. All this process, can take between two weeks and three months just to um, deactivate content ID. Because um, a lot of people you can find in those distribution services don't know anything about Creative Commons. And uh, they don't know that it's totally illegal to use uh, content ID or audible magic under non-exclusive content. And Creative Commons licenses are by essence, non-exclusive. You don't uh, own the copyright of anything uh, on Creative Commons. Nobody owns the copyright. 
and I had just one time a discussion with someone using my music uh, via distribution service and putting uh, content ID over it. And uh, I found that they had bought a pack of uh, no licensed music, which is completely impossible, on uh, the platform Fiverr. Yeah, on Fiverr, they buy and sell uh, music packs with uh, music under uh, no license. At one point, I bought one of these to see what was uh, in it. And it was a FreePD zip file. FreePD is a website uh, created by Kevin MacLeod with um, public domain music because Kevin MacLeod do uh, Creative Commons by licensed uh, music. And there is not just Kevin MacLeod on this uh, archive, there is Frank Nora and there is me too. And I've seen that a lot of music which are uh, claimed, uh, my music, come from this archive. On Fiverr, uh, the sellers tell you can do anything you want with it, you can copyright this music too. But how does this work? Like, you're selling this to millions of people and you say you can put content ID over it, but if you put content ID over it, no, no one can put it again. Or, this is like, how the fuck is this working? <laughs> They are using um, a different license, which, which is called private label rights uh, license. And this is the, the most libertarian, shittiest stuff I've seen. This is like, uh, um, in France, we call it une marque blanche. It is like you can, um, like you are selling beans and you are just selling the cans of the beans, but you don't put the label. So uh, you can put every label, just you sell beans. And uh, you tell to the, the one you sold your beans, you can put the label you want over it. Like this is uh, A beans and uh, you, you can call them the uh, D beans, but there is, this is exactly the same beans. And you sell it how you want. And there is like no real, uh, jurisdiction, no real law uh, uh, around PRL uh, license. This is like just a nightmare. <laughs> and this is not making any sense. What's really, really annoyed me a lot is this is like there is no group of people, no jurisdiction, no anything doing anything to prevent this. A lot of people just um, really annoyed and pissed that uh, nobody is. Uh, doing anything about the commons. And this is how you respect the commons right here. Just internet is becoming, oh, is really a libertarian nightmare, creating um, and bending the copyright law just to, uh, to, to bring money to uh, copyright owners. And this is messed up because, okay, we are talking about music, but we are not talking about uh, scholars on books and sharing information, like important information about science, about medical stuff. Like this is super important. And I think music is like the avant-garde of the capitalist about uh, copyright ownership. This is like, we create the robots, uh, we, uh, we, we use and create the robots because this is a feed we can easily scan and block. Nightmarish, <laughs> really. Defending the commons, this is somewhere we can fight, something we can fight for on the internet uh, to see how you can prevent this, how you can work to force distribution services to change the load. We need to, to calm down the robots and to calm down Google and to calm down Amazon. <laughs> but yeah, we have small arms. <laughs> They have Gundams, <laughs> and I have a shovel only there. <laughs> what characters or franchises would you yeah. most like to multiverse together? I don't like a multiverse or the implication of a multiverse because everything becomes consequenceless. Because if there's infinite versions of everyone, then there's no stakes ever because you just, oh, it doesn't matter if this person's dead, we'll just get a copy from Universe 76B. I think you're right. And as well as being able to like, you don't need to commit to anything in storytelling. Mm. 
but also the more that things can get multiversed around, you end up with intellectual properties with so many individual characters into it that they're just kind of superficial representations of something that they meant somewhere else. Mm. A lot of people didn't like Ready Player One as this kind of like temple of geek culture. I don't even like the idea of it. I, I hate watched it and I had... Did I have a good time? No, but I came out with an intensity of thought and an inability to sleep. And I think that must have been what I wanted. <laughs> That's a type of good time. It's time. Yeah, it certainly sure. took me off, took my mind off of other things. Yeah, and that's a lot of consumption, isn't it? Is it just numbs uh, the the sense of being? Yeah, I think if you can't feel better about something, you find something that is um, bad in a less complicated way. Mm, mm. Let, let, let's find things to be angry about in the world purely of signs and symbols. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Ready Player One, I found very interesting. The idea that someone in like the far-flung future, mm. in that world, an eight-year-old would know who the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are sounds mad. You get increasingly plausible, increasingly plausible that the fences of what new ideas can be made are eventually, they've already been erected, but in the future they will be like policed. <laughs> yeah. It'll be like an East German security check. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the thing of um, something being successful because it's already a banking, a banked IP, like an mm. existing idea that has an existing fan base. Like you take a comic book, you make it into a film because the comic book's a recognisable property. You chunk it out. You remake an old film, put something that has a built-in fan base that you can then cater to. But then because that is like the model, then that's the only way creativity can happen is something that, because something that's already been done, that means it's already owned. And it creates this like bizarre new paradigm mm. where all new characters have to be made out of old characters. Yeah. So if you need someone to fit a certain story, like a certain spec idea, you need to take someone that doesn't quite fit in that mm. and then place them in that role to be that thing. Yeah. Even if it contradicts some, like whatever it was that people initially liked about this character in its formation decades ago. In Ready Player One, people were very angry that the Iron Giant is evoked, but in a story that's about like pacifism and uh, uh, skepticism yeah. of American militarism, they turn <laughs> the Iron Giant into a weapon. That is the thing I think I saw in the trailer where I was like, what the heck? Because it seems to be trading on like the memory of something mm. without having like, interest in what it is. Like Paddy McGuinness saying that he remembers Tamagotchis from his childhood. Can't be true. You can't really have liked those things, but you're sort of trading in what you think is a collective nostalgia. Mm. I think Warner Brothers have recently made like a Smash Brothers clone, but it's all these different Warner Brothers properties. And that was the moment for me because they, they put out some kind of advert and it's got like Shaggy from Scooby-Doo punching Steven Universe full in the face. <laughs> I was thinking, who's this for? <laughs> who's this for? Shaggy's just attacking an unarmed child. Is this Shaggy? <laughs> Why is Shaggy doing this? Yeah. Like, Shaggy's supposed ways? to be unmasking a landlord dressed as a child. You're supposed to be looking at a janitor with a crocodile mask on mm. saying i think this is a real crocodile hybrid that's <laughs> haunting this petrol station <laughs> but the idea let's say i'm a true shaggy head right a mm. real shaggy core shagged up guy yeah and i'm like i love shaggy i'm just gonna have to get this because it's part of the shaggy franchise like if can, <laughs> i need to know all the shaggy lore yeah why has shaggy killed batman <laughs> why did he do that mm. shaggy explain yourself shaggy killing batman actually fits with a lot of his unmasking of capitalists in the scooby-doo show you're right actually and it'd be like you know this bat is just trying to stop people from going in gotham city yeah <laughs> just trying to scare people <laughs> but it's like you have to make new things out of just old things you have lying around even the owners of all the intellectual property have to exist within this new paradigm because they can't make as many new ideas at the rate of churn that they want to mm. so things which are ostensibly new or could ostensibly new just have to contain like just intellectual property placed on top of it well, it's because massive then, projects are investments aren't they and to get they need to guarantee return on investment so the conservatism of capital they want a guaranteed win they want a guaranteed return so they just that doesn't lead to originality big money can come from originality but capital in the production of culture 
is super, super conservative. It doesn't want to take risks. So it just uses mm -hmm. Shaggy and Batman. It's weird because you want to, I've seen people say that like, well, the Marvel Cinematic Universe and these, these heroes are like the modern continuation of uh, like the oral tradition of storytelling and like, or Greek or Norse myths and legends because people would have these different takes on these like gods or whatever. But the Greek gods and Norse mythology and oral storytelling traditions weren't about making loads and loads of money for a corporation. And also more crucially, if I lived in that era and I was like, I want to tell a little story about Hermes. I'm not going to get like a solicitor's letter <laughs> mm. saying, uh, I'm afraid you've been telling stories about Hermes. Um, actually, he's one of our guys. Yeah, and crucially, off. not from the creator of Hermes. It isn't like the person who made Shaggy saying, oh, please don't make my creation Shaggy punch this child because I made Shaggy and wouldn't do this. It's just from and a I company. Shaggy sound. <laughs> yeah, well, my, the, the Shaggy I created isn't like that. And then, but it, it's a company that owns Shaggy or Hermes or whatever. It's, uh, mm. a, it's And then hires a legal department yeah. that's, again, like a kind of third party. So we're already two layers of separation from Shaggy. Mm -hmm. And we got the suits coming in. And that's what, it makes it very difficult to do um, because everything, every idea is owned. Every like logo on the high street is owned. Mm. Every brand name is owned. Even if you have the green light to do a new depiction of reality, mm. it has to be this strange reality where like people eat unmarked crisps and the billboards are all empty or have made up things that no one recognizes. Mm. There's too much of like the skyline that is owned by someone else that you'd need permission to like film. And then like who can get the permission? Again, other mm. rich capitalists really. Everything is owned. Monopoly power and rent seeking, it poisons everything. But it's the, it becomes the rent-seeking of ideas, right? And mm -hmm. then let's say I have an idea and it's this logo or it's this word or it's this melody or it's this character. Mm. I then want to slap that everywhere. And then when people try to tell stories that either draws on things they've seen or depicts things they see out mm. in the world, that becomes like illegalized because it contravenes this the, the landlordification of ideas. Yeah. Shaggy has been landlordified. It's just Shaggy's just owned, isn't he? Shaggy is owned. Intellectual property. People inst instinctually believe in it because they believe that like either creating a thing or putting work into a thing gives the person who did that creating or work some right over it. But copyright, which you know, UK copyright law comes from 1709, after some pressure from John Locke and some other people, they changed how that... Because printing presses were rare and this, the... People who controlled the printing presses were sort of directly in cahoots with the government and they were these guilds and it's like, we're the only people. Copyright was the, the literal right. You were the people who had the right to make a copy. The kind of problem was that the people who had the, the copyright, the right to make a copy of things, often weren't the author and the author had no right to claim any money from it. Because that was weird, right? That happened, the, the, the early copyright law, the 1709 um, one, which basically kind of said, look, an author should have some right over this thing being replicated not anyone can just replicate it because it was the idea that the author should be compensated for their creation and their labor that's a very capitalist thing because creativity was a something that was expressed basically by patronage if you were wanted to be a creative person who was like making paintings or songs or poems you needed a patron not like patreon like you know we have but like yeah, a, a fucking yeah thank you but like a lord <laughs> like some you would need some aristocrat because you know the peasant doesn't have any fucking money to 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 give you in that way i so, can't buy dyes yeah of my pigs have died from the pox <laughs> <laughs> but yeah like medieval creativity was this sort of you know it's exclusive to someone who could get a lord or a monarch or something to pay for them to pursue that art so that's why it was an alien thing the idea that like oh well, the author should get some of this money because at the start they're just like well we've got this printing press let's make money from printing stuff uh mm -hmm. Obviously, printing presses. So, printing press is like 1400s, and then the Statute of Anne is like 1709. So, that's centuries before they were like, oh, maybe the um, the people who've written these books should have some right to them. It was a couple of centuries of chaos, though, because people loved making like grimoires of what they reckoned all the devils were, <laughs> putting them into mass circulation. Yeah. And also, a real problem of like false sequels, because there was no like centralized like ISBN, right? So, if something <laughs> sold well, someone would be like, and here's the sequel. And it's just yeah. like they got their nephew to write some shit. Frankenstein 2. Here are all the Draculas I reckon exist. <laughs> Fast Dracula. <laughs> That's end the yeah, end, yeah. <laughs> um, 
But then obviously very quickly it went from, it, I, that idea emerged with capitalism and then capitalism went, oh my God, we can make money by owning. We don't just have to own the means of production as in factories. We can own the means of production as in ideas. We can own intellectual property. And that is now like some corporation owns the copyright to like life-saving drugs that, and that, that copyright has nothing to do with the person who put the work in or creativity to make that cure. It's just a corporation owns it. And it requires the same kind of violence that mm. only the means of production is, especially yes. when it comes down to like raw ideas where you can like, look, oh, just to bring it back to Shaggy for a second here. <laughs> I look at Shaggy for up to 15 seconds. I mean, I got it. I could make a Shaggy now. I could draw Shaggy. I could think of things Shaggy would say. Yeah. It's fully just gone into my brain. Or like if I'm an engineer, you know, or if I'm a chef, I can go mm. into restaurants, I can see things. I'm like, I know how that's put together. You shouldn't that be in the kitchen. Now in my brain. Be, you shouldn't be in the kitchen. That's Why shouldn't I be in the kitchen? It's, it's, I don't think it's a law. It might actually be a law, but you shouldn't be in the kitchen in Mackey's. Well, I once found out that when I've been saying compliments to the chef, they're not doing it. So I've got to what? Do myself. They're not doing it. They don't pass that on. I, I thought they were going to say, Sean says this was lush. I here's I'm not tip. saying anything. If um, you have to get this guy to report back, you have to get him to report back. You have to say what the chef says. Yeah. Yeah. So when you bring me my change, <laughs> can you tell me what the chef said? Yeah. What was his expression when you told him that? Yeah. And they always do this big, like play days style, exaggerated gasp. And I think <laughs> never. But then I went in and I said this was great, and they did a massive gasp and then went, <laughs> "You're not allowed in here." <laughs> <laughs> But just to answer the original question, my proposed multiversus would be EastEnders and the Matrix. Trinity and Neo, people's telling everyone that they're their mum. I was thinking more that individual cast members of, the, of um, EastEnders are pulled slowly realise, and they're slowly right, pulled okay, out yeah, one yeah. by one, but then Red they go pilled. back in as agents, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to recruit. <laughs> but the BBC and the Wachowskis would never allow it. They'd never allow it. And if we just made it off our own backs, get in trouble. I reckon the Wachowski might be up for it, actually. The Wachowski's yeah. might be up for it. They're sick. Warner yeah, Brothers, Speed Racer, love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a... Maybe that's a Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> Speed Racer rules. Mandatory redistribution power was created and produced by Sean Morley and Jack Lewis Evans. Our tower theme was created by Alan Jean with additional music from Rose Azerty. Find out more about Rose and her music at loyaltyfreakmusic.com. Thank you for listening and special thanks to those of you who make our work possible through patreon.com slash mandatory redistribution party and sharing this episode on social media. Hope you're good. <laughs>